All right. Well, uh, as you guys know, or you may not know, uh, Pastor Micah is not here this morning, um, but uh, he and his beautiful family, they're off on their way to vacation. And it is awesome that they get that time of rest, right? Uh, we're excited that we get to do that. But we're also blessed to be part of a network of churches that get to help us out on mornings like this. And so I'm really excited that this morning we have a special guest pastor with us. This morning his name is Brandon Capuano, and he is here. He's the lead pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel, Rochester, New York. I said it right, Rochester. You did. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, he and Pastor Micah go way back. They went through the Chicago training facility together back when they were learning and getting trained on being harvest pastors. So will you join me and let's welcome him here to St. Louis this morning. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys today? All right. Let me breathe really heavy into the microphone again. I'm sure that's a great way to start. All right. Well, yeah, as, uh, as you guys just heard, Micah and I, you know, it was funny. Um, me and Micah spent a lot of time on the phone together. Uh, him and I are both pretty competitive people. Uh, and uh, when we were in, <laughs> there's a nod right there, yep. Um, when we were in the training center together, we had uh, a, lot, a lot of competitive people in the training center. I think you can't be a harvest pastor unless that's like part of what you do. And uh, we were seeing all of our buddies launch their churches. And, man, me and Micah were still sitting there with, like, 10 people in our core group, you know. We were like, yeah, man, what's God doing? What's the Lord doing? Are we ever going to launch these churches? And, and uh, I held the record for the longest time between, like, training center to launch until Micah smashed that record. And uh, how many of you guys were on that launch team uh, in this church? Hey, actually, can you stand up? If you're on that launch team, can you stand up? Go ahead. Just do it. Come on. Come on. If you're on that launch team, stand up. Let's let, stay standing up here. Listen, listen, planning a church is hard work. And, and everything that you see happening here in this place is because people gave of their time, of their talent, and their treasure so that Jesus Christ could be lifted up and exalted in this city. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you so much uh, for investing your life into this church and seeing the Lord Jesus do awesome things just around you all the things that God has done because the Lord used you to plant this church. So uh, let's say thanks again. Come on, come on. You guys go ahead and sit down. Uh, I get a little sappy and cry sometimes over weird things, so like that. So that's, that's the way it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we are, uh, uh, we planted a church in Rochester, New York, and that's my hometown. Uh, and you guys are in a Lutheran school, and uh, we are kind of like that. We meet in a comedy club in Rochester. How fun is that? Uh, we started in a Catholic college called St. John Fisher College, uh, and we ended up moving to this comedy club, which is in the city, and the Lord completely ordained it. We got kicked out of the Catholic school because I think they finally realized we were preaching the gospel, and so they, they sent us, uh, you know, we had to go find a new home, and we ended up at this comedy club, and our first Sunday, I, only God can do this, right? Our first Sunday in the comedy club was Easter Sunday in 2018. Does anyone know what day that fell on in 2018? That would be April Fool's Day. First Sunday for a church in a comedy club. So fun. Uh, and uh, so that's what we are doing, and God is just doing great things. And I, I sent out a Facebook Live video to my church, and it was kind of a trick because they're an hour ahead of us, and we meet at 10 o'clock as well. So I'm going to scold every person that liked it while I was doing it because they weren't listening to what was happening in church. So no, I'm not going to do that. Um, 
But it's just so, so encouraging to see that God is doing awesome things through regular people like you and me uh, here in St. Louis, just like he is in Rochester. And I just want to ask you to continue to pray for us, and we'll continue to pray for you. Uh, and why don't we join together right now and pray uh, for the Lord to open our hearts to hear his word. Would you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, we thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to open up your word. Uh, Father, you are um, high and exalted in this place, and we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and rise from the grave so that we can have new life. And Father, we thank you that Jesus said that if he didn't go, uh, it would be worse off for us, but it's better for us that he went because now we have your Holy Spirit. And we have your Holy Spirit to teach us and to shape us and to form us. And God, I pray right now that you would open up our hearts to hear your word. I pray, God, that we would... Um, hear what you want to say through your word. I pray, God, that I would not be the center of attention in this place, but that I would fall to the background so that Jesus Christ can take center stage as he ought to. Now, God, as we hear your word, I pray that you would uh, give me boldness and clarity to proclaim it as your servant, as you have uh, sent me to do. And uh, Father, I pray that as we hear it, that you would uh, just cut our hearts open and show us uh, who we really are. I pray, Lord, that as we look into the mirror of the scripture, uh, that we would have the courage to face the sin that we find there and to repent and change from it. And Lord, I pray that where hope is needed, hope would be heard. Where conviction is needed, conviction would be heard. And uh, Lord, I pray that, um, that the hearts of those who do not know you as Lord today would be open and salvation would be found in this place. Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us as we hear from you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you got your Bible, uh, we are in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. And uh, we, uh, we're preaching through 1 Peter at, at our church in Rochester. And so this is a, uh, a little bit from our sermon series there of what we are doing uh, there. And um, this morning's message is called Our Family Code. Our Family Code. How many of you guys have ever been in a house? Um, where you were just so blown away by how that family functioned and you just thought, man, I, I, I want to be a part of this. You ever felt like that before? Where, where maybe you came from a home that was broken. Uh, maybe you came from a home where, uh, where mom and dad didn't share your faith. Uh, maybe you came from a home where, where things just were not ideal. Um, maybe there was abuse in your home and you, you walked into the home of, of, of somebody and you just said, man, there is like a, a spirit in this place that I don't want to leave, right? Um, my home growing up was, was like one of those homes. Uh, my parents came to Christ when I was about 9, 10 years old and um, our house was like the house that all the teenagers went to when I was in high school, you know? Everybody came to our house. It didn't matter what time it was, and it was, I mean, all hours of the night, nobody would knock, just walk in, uh, and, uh, and my mom, being from an Italian family, would just feed whoever came in. I mean, I think whatever God did in those baskets with the fish and the loaves happened in my refrigerator, because I don't know how we fed all those teenagers. Uh, and after we, after we left, after I graduated from high school and went on, my parents became college missionaries uh, to a local college campus, and, and kids would come there all the time. And my dad, he would make homemade ravi ravioli, and have the, he'd have these ravioli parties, right? And all these kids would come over, and they'd just make these homemade ravs. And, um, and these kids that came from broken homes, they just said, man, I, I, this is what a family's supposed to be. I, I, I'm so blessed that I get to be here, and I get to feel like this is my mom. I get to feel like this is my dad. And there's just something about this place, right? And uh, in our family, we, we, we just live by some pretty simple rules, right? Like, number one, we 
we loved one another. One another. Number two, we spoke, we, we uh, uh, forgave one another. And number three, we just welcomed whoever came in. That was kind of our family code. We never posted that anywhere. We never uh, had it written anywhere. That's just how we function. Whatever happens in this home is covered in love. And when we come into the family of God, when we come into the church, I want you to know this. We are not, like the church is not a building, obviously, right? Comedy club, Lutheran school, who cares where you are? The church is the people. And the people are the family of God. And every good family has an intentional code which we live by. And, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that God wouldn't have an intentional code for our family. And as we walk into 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning, as I was studying this, I was so blown away by it that I saw these rules for living that God has for our family. And listen to this. When we live by God's family code, and this is what I want you to hear this morning. When we live by God's family code, we become the family that God intended us to, to be. Welcoming to the world and loving towards one another. A place where whoever walks in, they say, this is where I want to be. And as the family of God that gathers here at Harvest Bible Chapel, St. Louis South, I want to see you live these things out so that when people walk in from the outside, they say, something's different. Something is up here and I want more of it. Amen? You guys want to be that church? Amen. Well, let me read from God's Word this morning, and we're going to see what it means to live by God's family code so we, we can become the family that God has intended us to be, welcoming to the world and loving one another. Won't you join me as we uh, look at God's Word? 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Having purified your souls, and, and I, want you to, I want you to listen. I want you to listen and count how many times, like, growing up and family-type words are used in this section. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, that's a second one, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. That's a fourth one. That by it you may grow up, that's a fifth one, into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Brotherly love, born again, newborn infants, growing up longing for pure spiritual milk. The Apostle Peter is writing to the family of God and he's saying, as newborn Christians, as the family of God, this is how you ought to live in a watching world so that all may see that Jesus Christ is Lord. So let me break this down a little bit. First one you can write down uh, that we see in this family code is this, that number one, we are holy for one another. We are holy for one another. Now, before you dive into a passage of Scripture, you need to know why it's there, right? You can't just rip open your Bible and just say, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read the Bible and I'm going to try to figure it out as best I can, like, like ripping a, a word out of its context, never going to understand what it means. And so, so you've got to understand where 1 Peter is coming from. Peter um, is writing to these scattered believers who are all over, uh, all over the, the Roman Empire. 
okay? And you see he addresses them in, uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He says, he's writing to those elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, right? So he's writing to these people that are, are scattered all around the region. And he's saying to them, you are living as strangers in this world. You are living as exiles in this world. Now, now he could be writing. It's either he's writing in the time of Claudius or in the time of Nero. Neither one was really like a, a fired up time to be a Christian. I mean, Nero is the one who introduced a, a, a policy of persecution against Christians where they were just systematically murdered for their faith. And he's saying, this is not our home. I'm writing to you to tell you that, that the family you were born into, the town you were born into, the country you were born into, the empire you were born into, that's not what it's all about. You are a people of exile. You are a nation within a nation. And he's saying that as you go about and you live, as you go about and live as these people that, that God has called you to be, the world is watching you. And the way in which you conduct yourself must confirm the gospel that you believe so that people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. And so for the first, uh, the first thir uh, 12 verses, he talks about the glories of our salvation. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, that is rich, isn't it? That is so rich. You've been brought into this family of God. And Peter, for the first 12 verses, just talks about the salvation that God planned before the foundation of the world so that we can have hope in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, he makes a switch, makes a transition, going from this glorious salvation. And he says, now therefore... Because of all that's true, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. As it is written, you must be holy, for I am holy. Right? So he says, because all this is true, because your salvation is true and it's guaranteed, now you've got a life to live, and that's a life to live in holiness. And it's to be patterned after the Lord Jesus Christ, to be patterned after his life. Obedience is always the first option for Christians. Obedience is always the best option for Christians. And so Peter continues on in this idea of holiness, and he says, now back in our text, so, so he, he's continuing on in this idea that we need to be holy before the Lord, completely set apart, living our lives as purified and sanctified before him, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, what does he mean here? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. How are we saved? How are we saved? Are we saved by our good works? Because he, he says right here, he says, uh, so having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, is that what he's saying? Is he saying that, that your soul has become righteous and has become pure by obeying what God's word says? No. Don't worry, I told Micah you would not be heretics by the time I left, all right? Not true. We're saved by grace through faith, amen? 
We are not saved by our good works. Our works are filthy deeds compared to the righteous works of Jesus Christ. That whatever, The only thing that we bring to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. There's no way that we can save ourselves. And so when he says that having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, what's he talking about? I don't think he's talking about that moment that we came to Christ. I think he's talking about that, that further sanctification, that further growing into Christ. That as we, as we walk with Jesus Christ, our first option, our best option, our first job is to be holy before the Lord. And as we choose holiness, as we choose to walk with Jesus Christ, our souls become more pure and more like Jesus with every step that we take. So having purified your souls by your obedience, obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Now, see this connection. So, so the first part of our family code is that we are holy for one another. Look at this connection. He says, as you are obeying the truth, what's the purpose? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. The end goal of our holiness before the Lord, the end goal of our choosing righteousness before the Lord is not only to look more like Jesus Christ, but it's to learn how to love one another. I want you to think about this. The Ten Commandments, right? Don't steal, right? So we go before the Lord and we're like, God, that guy's got a pretty sweet Escalade out there and the keys are in it and I really want to steal it. But Lord, because I love you, I'm not going to steal it. So we love the Lord by maintaining our holiness. But in the same sense, that guy's got a great Escalade out there and the keys are in it and I love you, therefore, I'm not going to steal it. Look at what Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 says. I believe we have this in, uh, on the screen. You ready for that? Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. My eyes are bad, so I'm going to read it here. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's seven words, so Paul, or, yeah, Paul obviously had a counting problem. I'm kidding, he didn't. But we understand what that means, right? He's saying that, that, that our holiness, that the entire obedience to the law, the more we obey the law, the holier we are. And the epitome of it is this question, how are you loving your neighbor as yourself? When we think about the word holiness, we often think about this guy. I've got a picture here. I want to show you what we typically think about as holiness. We think about this, don't we? Like maybe the world thinks about this, that, that, that as you are just uh, uh, purifying your soul and purifying your life more and more and more, that you become less and less like everybody else and more and more better than everybody else. You ever heard this phrase, right? Man, I can't stand that guy because he's so holier than thou, right? That when people think about Christians, they're like, man, this is the way that Christians think about themselves. Just like, I am so high above you, don't even touch me. This is the way that the world would look at holiness. And this is garbage right here. This is false religion. This is false religion. There's no man that should ever be lifted high above other people because of their perceived holiness. Who was the holiest man that ever lived? That would be Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say about himself? I didn't come to be served, but I came 
to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. When we think about holiness, the thought that you ought to have is a bloody Savior on the cross. When you think about holiness, the thought that you ought to have is the creator of the universe bowing his knee before his disciples and washing their feet. We think of holiness and sometimes we're like, I just, I can't be around those people because they're going to taint me. I can't be around those people because they're going to make me impure. But where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus rolling in the dirt with us, serving us and saving us. So when the Apostle Peter says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. What he's saying is this, that every decision to choose holiness before the Lord is a decision to love your neighbor as yourself. And the opposite is true. That every decision that we make to sin is a decision that we make to put ourselves above our neighbor and therefore is completely opposite of the greatest commandment that Jesus gave to love our neighbor as ourselves. So not only are we sinning against the Lord, but we're sinning against one another. And we're saying that I'm more important than you. Look at what he says. He says, to love one another earnestly from a pure heart having a sincere brotherly love. That word sincere literally means an unhypocritical love. He's not talking about tolerance. He's not talking about acceptance. He's talking about love from a pure heart. Love one another earnestly. That word earnest comes out in Scripture in a few different places. And and one of the places that it comes out is Jesus in Gethsemane when he is praying earnestly so much that he begins to sweat drops of blood. That same word that that describes the way in which Christ prayed is the way in which Peter says that we ought to love one another. And so if your holiness leads to you furthering yourself from your brothers and your sisters, you're Christianing wrong. Your holiness ought to lead to you serving and finding ways to love one another, that we are holy for one another, that we choose to love the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can know better how to love and choose and serve one another. In our membership covenant at Harvest Rochester, and I'm sure that you guys have something similar, you know, the first thing is that we're saved and we're baptized and Uh, The second thing is that we're going to be involved in ministry in an uncommon community and in small groups. And another thing on there is that we say that we are going to intentionally live a life of holiness. And we're covenanting this with one another that we're going to live a life of holiness. Why? So that the watching world may know that that the Lord doesn't... um, doesn't approve of these sinful ways that we could typically live in, but, but even greater than that, that the watching world sees that we know how to love one another. And when we commit ourselves to holiness, we commit ourselves to loving one another. The second thing that we have in our family code is this, is that we celebrate our heritage. We celebrate our heritage. Look at verses 23 through 25. 
The Apostle Peter says this, he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So being born and raised in Rochester, New York, I'm an Italian. That's what we do in Rochester. I told you about my parents a little bit, but man, when our family gets together, there's a lot of kissing, there's a lot of coffee, there's a lot of ravioli, and there's a lot of pasta when we get together. Man, we just love our Italian heritage. Last night, actually, not, Micah took me to the hill. Here's a picture of me and Micah, and Courtney was inside at the hill. Went to Zia's. Any Zia's fans out there? Oh man, so good. That place was so good. I had the seafood ravioli. So good. Fired up about that. I have to come back to St. Louis just for that. But man, I love driving around. I love walking around and seeing the Italian colored fire hydrants and seeing the Italian flags everywhere. And I was like, man, I'm going to move here. This is great. <laughs> but really, my Italian heritage is what Mike Birbiglia, he's a comedian. Of course, I got a, a quote a comedian as we do church at a comedy club. But Mike Birbiglia, he call, he, I, I'm what he would call an Olive Garden Italian. All right, where, where sure my last name is Italian, but the, I don't know anything in Italian. I don't know Italian language at all. I, the, that's it. Well, but when I go to an Italian restaurant, I look at the menu and I say, oh, you know, I think, uh, I think I'll have the pasta of Azula, right? Uh, and as Mike Birbiglia finishes the joke, no, 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 no. You're going to have the pasta fagioli just like everybody else. You know, because I like, we like to embrace our Italian heritage by eating a lot of pasta, but that's pretty much where it ends. But our heritage in the church, we celebrate a common birth. We celebrate a common heritage, and that heritage is that we come from the Lord. Look at what it says. It says, since you have been born again. So we're saying this, so live this holy life, live a purified life that leads to a love for your neighbor, that leads to you sacrificing yourself for others. Why? Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You see, he puts this pursuit of holiness right in connection with how we were born again in Jesus Christ. He's saying because there was a moment that you were brought from death to life, because there was a moment where you were brought from darkness to light, because there was a moment when your sins were forgiven and you were born again in Jesus Christ, because of that, your life ought to be lived in accordance to how you have been saved. And how have we been saved? He says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Now, this isn't talking about a seed that you would plant in the ground, okay? This is talking about, like, the seed of having kids, you know, birds and the bees kind of a thing, all right? Like, that's the kind of seed that it's talking about. And he's saying that you haven't been born again of corruptible flesh. Like, like th this Italian heritage that I embrace, all right? That's going to fade away. Whatever your culture is, Whatever your language is, wherever your birthplace is, I mean, you guys are proud to be, Saint, how do you, what do you call yourself? St. Louisianians? What do you call yourself? Anybody? I really want to know the answer to that. St. what? St. Louis? You didn't even know. St. Louis? Okay. <laughs> so as my, you guys are so proud, man, those, 
we were in, uh, uh, when we were at Zia's last night, so much blues gear. So much Cardinals gear, man. I mean, you guys love where you live, and it's fantastic. But at the end of the day, that's going to fade away. Look at what he says. He says, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And when we get so caught up in where we're from, we get so caught up in our heritage, we get so caught up in these things that are earthly. Now, now the Lord loves these things. The Lord uh, cherishes these things. Because what does he say in Revelation? That people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are going to gather around the throne and worship the Lamb. That is such an amazing thought. Can you, can you just picture the sound? Can you picture the sight? Every color under the sun, every language under the sun worshiping Jesus Christ. But it's not because of where we're from, but it's because we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And what is that imperishable seed? Through the living and abiding word of God. What is that word? Look at the end of verse 25. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Like we said before, it's, it, it's, it's not that we bring anything into our salvation. We're saved because the Lord saved us. He made us born again in that instant that we were brought from death to life. And how did it happen? It happened through the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, what is it? For it, not the preacher. Guys, listen, Mike is a fantastic preacher. You guys have got to, are blessed with a good pastor. But if, you have, if Micah preached every Sunday in like a clown costume, riding a unicycle, number one, I don't think you'd be at this church anymore, but number two, if he's preaching the gospel, guess what? People are going to get saved. People are going to get... Now, I'm not advocating for clown unicycle preaching, all right? Don't tell Micah that I said he should be doing that. But my point is this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. That our heritage is found, our common heritage, no matter where we are, is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in our common heritage, we have a common seed, and that seed comes from a common father. This passage, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It comes from um, Isaiah chapter 40. And you could turn there but I, if you'd like, or you can write it down, but I want to read this for you. Isaiah chapter 40. As I'm about to read this, I want to quote to you Psalm chapter 138, verse 2. It says, You have exalted above all things your word and your name. Why is God's word imperishable? Because God is imperishable. Why is our salvation imperishable? Because the God who gave it to us is imperishable. Look at what it says, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. And he's talking about our, our momentary nature. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. 
Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. So what's this good news? What's this good news that was preached to us? He's about to tell us. Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold, his, re his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed, in, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon will not suffice for fuel, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as, as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it with silver chains? He's too impoverished for an offering, chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Hasn't that been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circles of the earth, and all its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. This is our God. That no matter how bad your earthly father failed you, or no, no matter how well your earthly father did, behold, this is our God. This is our common father. This is our common heritage. This is the one who gave us life that will never end because he has no beginning and he has no end. Amen? This is the, the heritage that we celebrate. That if we're going to be the family of God, if we're going to be the family of God that, um, that embodies who he is, if we're going to be the family of God before a watching world that shows the world, hey, come in. And find freedom. Come in and find peace. Come in and find a Father who loves you. That we need to celebrate our heritage. We need to celebrate this by walking in holiness, what we're saved to do. We need to celebrate our heritage by talking about our great God. We need to celebrate our heritage by talking about our great salvation. We need to celebrate our heritage by living on mission and inviting others in and saying, come and find rest. Come and find food for your souls. Come and find the waters that will never leave you thirsty. This is the God that we worship. So we celebrate our heritage. Third thing you can write down is this, that we love intentionally and proactively. We love intentionally and we love proactively. Look at what he says. 
He says, so put away. So because of all this, because of who you are, because of who God is, so he kind of went on this tangent about who the Lord is, and now he gets back to this love thing. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now he brings up these sins that we were a part of back in our past. And he he says, listen fam, these things shouldn't be in you. And not only should you no longer live destructively, but now you need to live protectively. I got four kids. I want to show you my kids. I, I had this later for the intro, but now I got it. Here we go. Here's my crew. These are the Capuano kids, man. They are a zany bunch. Uh, this is my oldest, Owen. He's 11. And uh, this picture just captures who these kids are, man. He's a goofball. Uh, Dominic is, is my second kid. Uh, he's 10 years old, and he's throwing gang signs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Lily is eight. She, is, she was my first daughter, and as soon as she was born, I was like, oh, goodness, I'm in trouble, right? And then I had another one, and that's Eden up there, and she is six. This is from Thanksgiving. Uh, she's six years old, and just, I, I, just such, so precious, man. I love these kids. This is my wife. I've been married for 15 years. Uh, I, I moved that poor thing from California to Rochester, so pray for her. But I tell my, my boys, I'm like, guys, listen, this is the family God gave you. You've got to protect your sisters. Boys, listen, you've got to stand up for one another. You've got to protect each other. This is the family that God has given to you, and you need to live in a way that is strong so that you can protect your sisters when danger comes. And I tell, I tell my girls, you guys have got to look out for each other. You've got to protect one another. Quit with all these catty fights, right? Because A, I have a huge headache now, and B, this is not the way, it's not a good way to live, but man, if you guys understand what you have in this family, you can fight for one another, you can serve one another, you can love one another, and protect one another. I love the family God has given to us. In the same way, in the church, Peter's like, guys, you've been born again to a living hope. You've got this common heritage. You've got this father who we just read everything in Isaiah chapter 40. And that, that do you realize that we are the size of grasshoppers to him and even smaller? Peter's saying, those things that were in your past, the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander, just put away these things. The word for put away, it literally means to take off like clothes. And this is weird. You guys do baptisms here? Yeah, praise the Lord for baptism. Who's been baptized in this place? Who is, man, praise God, man, that is awesome. Praise the Lord. You should be thankful that we don't do baptisms like they did in the first century. Because based on this verse where he says, so put away, it literally means to take off. They did baptisms naked in the first century. Who's fired up that we don't live like the first century church? Okay, yeah, well, I don't want that around, okay? That's weird. But what, what, what Peter is saying is he's saying, you've already been forgiven, you've already been purified, so stop living like that. Malice means to act with a wicked intent. It means to seek to injure others with your words and with your actions. I'm sure that some people in this place have found people in your church that you just can't stand. And don't worry, if you haven't found those people, they've found you. But God protect us from malice. God protect us from seeking the ill intent of other people. 
how do we put off malice? Well, if there's a bitterness that you have against somebody, number one, repent. Number two, pray for that person. Nothing softens your heart towards somebody that you just don't get along with well. And instead of gossiping, pray for them. Nothing softens your heart towards people than praying for them. Just ask Micah. He started to like me after a while. Write notes of encouragement to the people that are hard to love. Welcome them into your home. Have those difficult conversations to say, there's something inside of me we need to talk. He says, put away all deceit, hurting one another through trickery and falsehood. Now, do you see how holiness connects to brotherly love here? Right? He's saying not, not to deceive. Ten commandments, right? Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. And Peter's saying that this is what love is. Don't treat one another with deceit. Don't hurt one another through falsehood. Truth is foundational to God's character. And so it ought to be foundational to our relationships in the church. Deceit should have no place among us. It hurts us because trust is the hardest thing to build. And when we break it, it's even harder to rebuild. It's sinking sand for relationships. How do we put it off? Like we just mentioned before, don't stuff your conflict. If somebody comes up to you that you've got an issue with, you need to bring that up. You need to address it. When somebody asks you in small group, okay, so how are you doing? Don't hide it. Talk about what's in your heart. Don't deceive others by walking in false holiness. Bring what's truly in your heart to the table. So, and, and the way that loves one another is because, like, have you ever had, like, Jesus walk envy for other people in your small group? Like, man, they just love Jesus so much more than me, right? Or in your church, they just love Jesus so much more than me. Well, guess what? There are no super saints. There aren't, and you're not one of them. So quit pretending that you are. All right? Don't deceive others into letting them think that you have a closer walk with Jesus than you actually do. Ask for prayer and be prayed for. Hypocrisy. Hiding behind a mask. The origins are from, uh, from the stage. The person in the church that um, is different than the person uh, driving. The person that's worshiping in the church is different than the person driving to and from the church. Hypocrisy is devastating towards others. We're living in a day where pastors are falling left and right. Why? Because of hypocrisy. Because there's no abiding with Jesus Christ. This isn't about... The stage is a sham, my friends. Don't put on in your Christian walk what's not truly in your heart. Abide with Jesus Christ. And if you do, you learn to love one another more. Envy. He says to put away envy. It's the opposite of the command to rejoice for the good of others. Envy is the root of self-seeking and it leads you to do whatever it takes to match what others do or to gain what others have. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, says that envy is like rot to the bones. Right? Think about it. If the Lord's called you to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, and you see when somebody has something better than you, maybe it's a better guitar, right? Maybe it's a better car. Maybe it's a better family. Or at least you perceive it to be. Right? When you see somebody with that and you try to chase that, you try to gain that, what does it do? It turns your heart in bitterness towards the Lord. You stop living in thanksgiving and you start living in bitterness. And then when you talk to that person that has what you want, are you really rejoicing before the Lord for what they have or are you just jealous and envious? And now you look at that person as something to achieve instead of someone to love. And so I want to encourage you to put away envy. And when somebody is blessed in a way that you wish God would bless you, get to your knees and rejoice with them. Soften your heart to them and rejoice with them. And ask the Lord to gift you with the grace of contentment. And he says to put away slander. Any speech that harms or is intended to harm, harm someone else, Put that off. You know, when I do membership interviews, I go face-to-face -face with people, and I, I love membership interviews. It's so fun to hear how God has just changed their lives at Harvest. And, 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 and we get to a point in the membership interview, and I say, I say okay, guys, listen. There's going to be a time when I'm going to sin against you. If it hasn't happened yet, just wait five minutes, and I'm sure it will. And, and I say, but there's also going to be a time where you sin against me. And if this happens, when this happens, we need to commit right here and now that we are not going to talk to somebody else about it, that we're not going to grow bitter in our hearts about it, we're not going to slander one, one another's name about it, but we are a family. And we've got to fight to protect each other. We've got to fight for the unity that Christ achieved on the cross together. And so when that day comes that we're going to promise not to slander one another, but we're going to bring that up with each other. And we're going to forgive one another. We're going to have the humility to forgive it. We're going to have the humility to admit it. And so we don't slander, but we love intentionally and we love protectively because Christ bought this with his blood. The author Karen Job said this, salvation is living the way of love. Salvation is living the way of love. So let's put it on. Finally, this, we eat together. We eat together. Peter finishes this. He says in chapter, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And one of the most precious times in our, in our family is our, uh, our family dinners. And we sit around the table and we talk about our day and we eat together, and man, it's just so great. I love it. You guys come on up. I love doing that together. And as a church, we need to eat with one another. We need a fellowship, not just around the table, but around the word. He says this. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. If you've had a baby or been around a baby that is missing their time to eat? That's bad news bears, isn't it? 
oh goodness me, I do not want to be around that kid. We didn't have any formula for our kids. They wouldn't eat it. It was only Shannon. And when she wasn't around, and my kids started to get hungry, and they started to freak out, and we didn't have any milk around, oh goodness gracious, it was terrible. Kids are screaming, and I got a headache, and I don't know what to do. Calling Chad, you got to get home. I can't do this. He says, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. Long for it. That we need to understand that in the word of God, we have all the sustenance that we need for life and godliness. We need, like children of God, to be hungry for His Word. Because what, what comes from the milk that a baby eats? If they don't have it, they're not going to grow. If they don't have it, they're going to die. If they don't have it, they're going to be malnourished and suffer. The Apostle Peter is saying, God's Word is just like that. That if you don't get to the point where you are longing for the Word of God, you're not going to grow as a Christian. You're not going to grow as a Christian. Edward Clowney, he's a commentator on this. He says that the Word of the Lord constantly presents the Lord of the Word. You cannot separate God from His Word. And some of you might think, well, that's a big book. That's a hard book to understand. I, you know, sometimes, listen, God wrote the Bible so that you can understand it. He wrote the Bible because He wants you to understand it. And it takes hard work. It does. But it takes time. And we start with duty, right? If you're like, man, the Bible says I need to eat, I guess I better eat. Start by reading the Word, and it starts with duty. And, and I, wherever you are, I, I want to I challenge you right now to commit to 30 days in the Word without missing. Without missing. If you don't know where to start, start in the Gospel of John and read it. And then when you're done with it, read it again. And then when you're done with it that time, well, read it again. 30 days. Because what you're going to find is that as you fellowship in the Word, you're going to begin to taste and see that the Lord is good because it's in His Word that we taste and we see that. And after those 30 days, I, I want you to look and, and see where it started with duty. Now it's become a discipline. Okay, this is what I do. I get up in the morning. Here's my chair. Here's my coffee. Here's my Bible. Here's my pen. And, I, and I'm starting to learn who Jesus is. I'm starting to see who Jesus is. And what you're going to find, if you've never done it before, you started with 30 days here, go another 30 days. After those 60 days, what you're going to find is that you are going to begin to delight in the Word of God because you're going to begin to see this is the Lord. You're going to begin to see, this is the God who loves me. You're going to begin to see that this is Jesus who saved me. And listen, if you are not consuming the Word of God on a regular basis, how are you going to speak to the people that God has put in your path? How are you going to speak to your brothers and sisters when they're going through these hard times, when they're going through the seas, and all they need is one promise of God for you to say, look, this is what God says, but all you've got is, I'll pray for you. Which is not bad. But wouldn't it be better if you could say, don't you remember when Jesus said, 
I will neither leave you nor forsake you. Don't you remember when God said to Joshua to be strong and courageous, not because you're so good, but because I am with you. Wouldn't it be greater to be able to have a promise from the Scripture that you'd say, let me tell you the Word of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to finish by quoting where that comes from in Psalm chapter 34. And if you guys can stand, we're going to close in song. And I want to read Psalm 34 over you. You cannot separate the God of the Word from His Word. Again, Psalm 138, he says, You have exalted above all things your name and your Word. And when we see the Word of God and we taste, God, this is You and You love me, it brings refreshment to our souls. It brings peace to our souls. And when we eat this together, when we consume this together, we have a common Father. We have a common Savior. We have a common Spirit. We have a common Word. And let's taste and see together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord, here's one to have on your lips. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones and none of them are broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's eat together. Let's celebrate our heritage together. Let's love one another intentionally. Let's love one another fully. 
let's be holy for one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given to us these glorious promises in your word. I think that we have tasted and seen the salvation found in Jesus Christ, that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved but by the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would help us to commit to these things, to be holy because you've called us to be holy, but also to be holy so we can love one another. Lord, that we would celebrate the imperishable heritage that we have because it comes from you that we would love one another intentionally and protectively and that we would eat together on your word. Let this church, Lord, be a church that tastes and sees that you are good. Direct our hearts to you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray.